It's awesome that we're all here together today. If you're visiting, I want you to take out that guest card, and I want you to keep it and take it to the back after, and we've got a gift we'd love to give you as the ushers come take the offering this morning. As we give, we give back to God out of what we have and what we've received. Um, We're going to look at a couple of stories this morning on giving, Um, but we're going to begin by kind of looking at the the ladder of giving, and you kind of walk up a ladder step by step, and it's, it's abundantly clear, and you've talked about this many times, that we begin with tithing. It's great to tithe. Tithing is a gift from God. It breaks the power of materialism in our lives. It shows us the difference, you know, between honoring God with everything that we have and trying to hold on to things that are ourselves. The Bible says very clearly in the words of Jesus that we can't serve both God and money. Uh, both of them want our heart. Both of them want us to, to serve them, follow them, know them, and submit to their authority in our life. And money is a cruel taskmaster. And even as we just sang, I mean, God is love. And he seeks, us, seeks for us to know him, experience him, and walk in his love. Malachi says that as we give back to the Lord a tenth of what he gives us, we're, we're honoring him, we're not robbing him, we're returning to him what is his. And I always like simple math, and simple math is we give a tenth back to the Lord. So for every penny, you know, we give a dime. For every dime, we give a dollar. For every dollar, we give ten. I mean, it's simple math. We can figure it out, we can do it, and we can experience it. And I'm excited about it. And we, we experience the blessings of Jesus as we give. The second step is, is we give an offering. It's, it's not a tithe. A tithe is the first tenth. And that's, we give that out of obedience. An offering is a gift that we give to God. It's a generous gift. We support people that go on missions trips. We give an offering to them. We don't give our tithe to them. We bring that to God's house. But we, we give an offering to them. It's a, it's a generous thing. We do a Live the Mission weekend a couple times a year. We give an offering to missions there. Uh, we give an offering to different ministries in our city in different places. We give out of that. Next week, we're going to take an offering here and at our other campuses uh, for the building just down the road that you're going to meet in. That we're believing escrow is going to close in on Friday. And it's going to be great. And we're going to be excited. And we're going to give an offering to that, Right? And then there's that kind of extravagant giving, that over-the-top giving. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, you, 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 don't, you can't do all the time. But there's a moment where God says, you know, I'm going to put my hand on this. I'm going to ask you for this. And we're going to trust the Lord in that. I really believe that, that God does that at moments because he's, he's showing us our heart. There's always things that we really care about. And you know, when I was in college and playing basketball, you know, nobody ever came to me and said, can I borrow your shoes? Like, it never happened. Nobody wanted to use my basketball shoes. But I played tennis, and I love tennis. Um, and when people would say to me, can I borrow your racket? I would think, you're going to go for a ball and you're going to scratch it on the ground. Like, you might pick one up with your shoe, and you know how they, you do? And scratch my racket. Now, you got to understand that my parents played tennis, and I used their rackets first. And they were, you know, they, remember the old, some of you, the old wooden racket? You put it in a, in a press to hold it so it wouldn't warp? Well, I restrung my parents' rackets, and they all broke. You know, you'd hit a ball and bang, it'd kind of explode. And I'd go home with another destroyed racket. All of them were done. So I saved and saved, and I bought my own racket. 
And then my friends would say, can I borrow it? And I'd be like, I didn't really want to say yes. Whatever we hold on to and we think, if I let someone use this, it's a bit of a bit of an idol in our life, you know? It's really important. And I'm not saying God's going to lay his hand on those things, but it creates a little fear in us, right? What if he asked me to let somebody else use this or give it to someone? It creates a little bit of fear because it's taken a place in our heart, a place in our heart. I'm going to show you a picture if you weren't there last Sunday. Uh, we dropped by in the afternoon, and this is just down the road, and that's the, that's the building. So it's on 4.3 acres. Number one, that's where the, the, this meeting is going to take place. Number four, that's a hospitality room. And then uh, two may move over there. It might not. We might just put a different building there. But those will be kids' rooms and maybe storage up in number two. Um, there's some parking. It's a great place. And we have an opportunity to give towards that. We have an opportunity to not give our tithe to that, but to make an offering to that. And then we have to ask the question, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to give? How is that going to work out? What is God going to say? And I believe that God has a purpose for every gift. And there's a couple stories we're going to look at today. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41 is the first one. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. So Jesus is watching people give. There's boxes. He's watching them do it. Many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to them and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow was given more than the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So it's like two little pennies. I got two pennies here. This one's from 2016, and this one's from 1950. Just random pennies. They're both worth the same amount, in case you're wondering. Um, be like the offering goes by, and, 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 and this is what's given. And, you know, we can look at that and go, really? She gave more? You know what Jesus calls this from her? An extravagant gift. It's extravagant. It's over the top. I mean, she's laying everything out and saying, you want it? I'm giving it all. I'm giving it all. And you can judge and say all, but it's only two cents. But to her, it's all. It's everything. And I, I think it's, it's one of those moments where there's freedom and joy in her life. The next story. We find that story in John chapter 12. Right at the end of 11, it says, Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had public ordered that everyone, anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they could arrest him. Now they're frustrated with Jesus. They're mad at Jesus. They want to arrest him. And this is right before the cross. This is six days before Passover when Jesus died on a cross, paid the penalty for our sins. And as we know, three days later, rose in power. But they didn't know what was coming. They just knew the situation had got difficult. Six days before Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he'd raised from the dead. So Lazarus had died. He was buried, and he had two sisters who weren't married that he was responsible for in that culture. And Jesus wasn't there. And they both said the same thing to him when he came. If you were here, my, our brother wouldn't have died. It's one of these great moments in the Bible, right? Like you slow down and read the Bible, it's way more exciting. 
And you look at it, and Jesus goes to the graveyard. He's been in the tomb and dead for three days. He says, roll back the stone. And Martha's always the practical one. It's going to reek, Jesus. He says, I'm telling you, if you do this, you're going to see the glory of God. They push back the stone. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out of the grave, still wrapped in the grave clothes. Now, you know, I always say, you know why Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth? He's in a cemetery. If he would have said, come forth, the place would have emptied. Everyone would have been coming back to life because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So he's really specific. I'm only getting Lazarus now. But one day when Jesus comes back, everyone will rise from the dead. It's going to be an awesome day. So, Mary and Martha are pretty excited. Their brother's back alive. Lazarus is there. There's a dinner prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha's serving. Lazarus is among those who ate with him. Then Mary, the other sister, took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume is worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared about the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of Jesus' disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. For, he, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. When Jesus calls us, he calls us into life and into obedience. He calls us to be faithful. He calls us to, to tithe, to give offerings, and to give extravagant gifts. And extravagant gifts and offerings are given out of love for the heart of God. They're given because we love God. We love God more than anything. We love him more than money and material things. We love him more than anything in our lives. And it's a symbol of our love. And there's a purpose that God has for every gift. We see that in King David. If we took what he gave to prepare for the temple, it's like on today's market, it's like $21 billion. I mean, it's like they, they, they laid the floor. Everything was covered in gold. Solomon, you know, when they offer an offering, they, they would do one bull. It's like a thousand for him. These are extravagant moments. But it's extravagant with two pennies. And it's interesting, isn't it? Both these stories of extravagant. We got, we got a widow alone. We've got a single woman in Mary saying we're laying it all down. And I, I want to say that there's something that God looks at when he looks at us. And he says, you know what? I want you to be extravagant. This is a straw I got from uh, Starbucks. This morning, and uh, you know, as Americans, we love straws. You can drink faster with a straw than you can without. I proved that by trying it. Very scientific. You can only get so much liquid through a straw, so if you really want to drink faster, you could use two, right? But there's only so much that can pass through this. You know, as Americans, we use 500 million of these a day. 
That's why they're banning them and going to paper again. Because you know what happens with these when you throw them away? Nothing! 500 million a day! Okay. So only so much can pass through this. So I've got this. This is a little bit bigger. Straw. And this is awesome because more can flow through it. But you can't really get this in a cup, but just work with me. So you can get more here. And I look and I want to say today that when we think about extravagant gifts and giving it all, one under the radar and the other with a year's wages, that God is looking for people like you and me that are willing to say, we just want a bigger straw. Why? Because God's calling us to be conduits of his blessing. He's calling us to let his blessings flow through us to other people. If we hold what God's given us like this, we never lose it. But no more can come in. And God wants us to live open-handed. And with God, the faith is, until we give, we are not going to receive. Until we release, God's not going to release. But God's calling us to that, even as we think of what's happening and what's going to happen at Sunnyside. So in these stories, I look at them with, with great joy. There's enormous sacrifice. I mean, Martha's serving the dinner, which is great because she loves to serve. This time she's not complaining like last time about her sister, not helping her. She is serving. Why? She's thanking Jesus. She's making him the best meal she can make him. Her brother that was dead is now alive. She is offering the best gift that she has, and I can guarantee you that meal was extravagant. She's not doing a minimal job. She's pouring out love to Jesus. It says when you give to someone in need, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 3, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your heavenly Father who sees everything will reward you. So often we read that and we think, you know, when people do things, they shouldn't tell anybody. But right now we have two women doing something that everybody sees. And Jesus is praising them. Like, how's that working out? You know what it means when your right hand shouldn't know what your left hand is doing? It means Jesus is talking and saying, don't do stuff so people praise you. Do what you do to the glory of God. So this woman is giving all that she has, two pennies, to the glory of God. We're going to see Mary pour out upon the feet of Jesus to the glory of God. Neither one cares who's watching. And that's the difference. When you do it because you want people to see you, you've got your reward, Jesus says. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. We're going for the heart of God. There's enormous sacrifice. Nards from the Himalayan mountains. I mean, it's, it's an, an incredibly valuable thing. And, and in the, the New Testament was actually written first in Greek. And you know what? If we were reading it in Greek, it would say, you know, she poured out this perfume, this essence of nard from the Himalayas. It's probably her dowry, what she's going to use when she gets married. You know, they'd say it's worth 300 denarii. And we'd go, so? You know, that's like a year's wage. So you think, well, how much is a year's wage? How much do you get paid in a year? Whatever you make in a year, that's what she gave. That's why I love how the Bible's written. This works for all of us. Everyone makes a different amount. Whatever your household income is in a year, whatever your wage is for one year, she pours out on the feet of Jesus. And you can say, she's stupid. Like, you break that bottle, you're not putting it back. 
Uh, no. I can guarantee you, you and I are not going to get to heaven and go, I wish I'd given less to Jesus. After he laid his life down for me, died in my place, my response of love from Martha and Mary and from this widow is, I'm giving you everything. That's all we can do. I'm not going to get to heaven and wish I'd given less in this offering that's happening. I'm going to give my best to Jesus. I'm going to give my best. I'm not giving my leftovers. You know, it's really interesting about about Mary as we see her in Scripture three times. The first time Jesus is teaching and her sister's making dinner, and uh, where's Mary? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. She's at the feet of Jesus. The second time we encounter Mary, her brother has died. Jesus comes and she grabs his feet. She's at the feet of Jesus saying, if only you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. The third time we see her, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's let down her hair, which she shouldn't do in public. And she's anointing. She's pouring out perfume on his feet, wiping it with her hair. She's at the feet of Jesus. And I ask the question to myself, how often am I at the feet of Jesus? Because I tell you, when I'm at the feet of Jesus in worship, in humility, recognizing who he is, he has saved me from my sin. Man, he died in my place. He forgave me for everything. When I'm at the feet of Jesus, then I'm like, anything you want is yours. I'm not looking to put my finger and dip into the perfume and touch his feet with it and keep the rest for me. I'm like, anything you want, Jesus. Like anything. I'm going to pour it all out. Jesus, you want to use my tennis racket? Feel free. Whatever you want. Why? Because I know he's good. I know he loves me. And I want to be at the feet of Jesus. It's a great place to be found. It's a loving motivation. But she gets criticized. Criticism happens a lot. Criticism's always motivated by the enemy, particularly when we're doing extravagant things. Man, if you're sitting here thinking, you know what, I'm going to jump in, I'm going to start tithing, the enemy's going to say, that won't work out for you. If you think, you know what, I'm tithing, I've just started, but I'm going to give an offering, the enemy's going to say, you better not, you will die. I'm telling you, the enemy comes in so many different ways. She comes in, she's doing this, she's overwhelmed, she breaks it. There's a perfume that's there. I mean, she doesn't even realize she's anointing Jesus for his burial. When Jesus died, there was no time to anoint him for his burial. When he says, you've anointed me for this, for my death, everybody goes, okay. He's serious. This is the love in her heart. But Judas, come on, this shouldn't have happened. That's a year's wages. That money should have been given to the poor. And we think, yes, it should have. But Jesus says, no. We're still talking about her today. We're still talking about the widow today. It's still there. Have you ever, you know, seen somebody drive by in a really nice car and you've thought, huh, I wonder how they, why they bought that. Man, I tell you what, man, they shouldn't have bought that car. They're a Christian. They should have bought a cheaper car and given the rest of that money to the poor. Or you drive by and someone says, hey, I like that guy's house. That is an awesome house. See where he's living? Huh? Shouldn't buy a house like that. That house is too nice. He should sell that house and give the money to the poor. Do you know who you're quoting? 
Judas. That is not a good person to be quoting. But we think that, right? Why? It's jealousy. It's envy. It's bad motives. I always think when people say that to me, I, I have people saying that all the time. You see where that guy's driving? And I'm like, yeah, that is a sweet ride. That's just, you know, you shouldn't spend money like that on a car. I'm like, why don't you sell your car? Well, why should I sell my car? I said, you should sell your car and give the money to the poor. You think he should? Why don't you show him how to do it? Well, I don't know. My car's not, it's uh, my, no. <laughs> then why should he sell his car? You know nothing about people's lives, finances, or what's going on. We are so judgmental of everyone else, but never want anyone saying anything to us. And Jesus says, don't be doing that. Why don't we just ask Jesus, what do you want me to do? And be content with that. Like, that would be the best. Right? So I'm saying, we don't want to be quoting Judas. He didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. He stole from God which is technically what the Bible says we're doing if we're not tithing. There's problems for us. So what did Jesus do? He looked at her and blessed her. Just said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. He honored this widow. She has given everything. When we say yes to Jesus... Blessings flow to us and through us and over our lives. And the gift is remembered forever. It's reflected of the love of God for what he's done in our lives. We're not being forced, manipulated. We're just saying yes. We're saying yes to obedience to tithe. We're saying yes to generosity in our offerings. And there's moments when we're extravagant. So what's the process of extravagant giving? First, we have to hear from the Lord. You have to hear from the Lord. And I'm talking about an offering. When we take an offering next week, you need to do only what God tells you to do. No more, no less. So how does it work for me and my family? It's really simple. We don't have to write it down because we're trustworthy, my wife and I. So we both take time to pray, and we fast, and we say, Jesus, tell us what you want us to do. And we do it individually, and then we get together and we share our number. And, you know, I'm saying you should fast. like, not from like, you know, 11 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning. Not that. Pick one meal in the next six, seven days. And just say, during that meal, we're going to ask Jesus what to do. And then I'm saying, do what Jesus says. No more, no less. Because every penny has a value. And we only want to do with it what Jesus says because it's his resources, right? And then we compare our numbers. And we're fairly competitive. So neither of us want the smaller number. But at the same time, we want to hear from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And we hear the word of the Lord. And I'm telling you, we, our hearts are united. And we give with great joy. So we have to hear from the Lord. Then we have to make a plan. How are we going to do it? We talk about it as a couple. You talk about it as a family. You, you move forward in that way. And then what happens is we stop and start thinking about it. And that's where fear can creep in. And say, you must have heard wrong. This can't be right. This won't work. You're going to starve to death. Everything's going to fall apart. But it's not true. We have to invite people in to encourage us, people of faith. Anytime that we hear, did God really say? Those are the words of the enemy, the devil, that he spoke in the garden. And he still speaks those today. Did God really say? And our response has to be, yes. Yes, he did. And we're walking in obedience, and we're walking by faith. 
And we're going to say yes, particularly if we're looking at something around saying, I'm going to start to tithe. If you take out this little card that you got today, and you'll get it next week in case you don't bring it back. It says, my gift today, and that's not today, that's next week. My gift today, my gift of buy with a date. I tick off a box today, I commit to tithe. I'm just saying, it is better for you to commit to tithe and do nothing for the offering than it is to do the offering and not tithe. You want to put yourself in the place where God's going to bless you. You're going to want to start on the ladder with obedience to the tithe, not step right over to an offering. We want to walk in obedience. And as we do, you know, God always blesses us as we listen to him. I think one of the, the best places, you know, to go eat is really fine restaurants. And one of the finest restaurants around is In-N-Out. And I like In-N-Out for a boatload of reasons. I like the fact that there's verses on the thing. I, I mean, I just like that. I like the, on, you know, the bottom, the cups and the fries and everything, there's verses. I like that. I like the fact that everyone's the same and I always know what I'm going to get. I like the fact there's a secret menu. I mean, I like all those things. And I like the food. But I'm trying to be healthy because I'm old. So because I'm trying to be healthy, I can go there and I can get a protein burger which is wrapped in lettuce and no bun, even though their bun is made with real yeast and it's amazing. But if I do that, I have to get a double-double with cheese. Otherwise, you know, it's like you're eating air because you get a bunch of lettuce and tomatoes and onions and man, aren't you hungry right now? And all that stuff. And it's like you ate nothing, so I get a double-double. Or you could even get a four-by-four. But anyways, but then there's fries. And, oh. and, and the cool thing about the fries is you can get them extra crispy. And then they're a, little bit, they're a little bit better. They're not as soft, and I like that because, you know, you, you want to have a perfect fry. You take the little container of ketchup that you get, and you put salt and pepper in it, mix it up with a fry, so every dip comes with salt and pepper. It's awesome, right? So I, I, I love that. But because I'm having a protein burner, I'm not ordering fries. However, I always go with someone, and uh, usually my kids. So I take my kids, and we go, and they order fries, and the fries sit there. You ever had fries call your name? So I do this. I just reach over to get one fry. And you know what my kid says to me? Hey, those are my fries. Get your hands off my fries. And I'm like, those aren't your fries. I bought those fries. You didn't buy those fries. Those are actually technically my fries. And I think, I'm the king of fries. I could cover our table with fries if I wanted. And God looks at us and he says, I just want you to give back a tenth to me. I want you to return to me from what I've given you. I gave you your ability to work. I gave you your job. I've given you everything. I'm saying, just give me a fry. And when we do, God blesses us, encourages us. And I believe that. And as I think about where we're headed and where we're going and, and what, what God has for us in these days, we're all partnering together to see God's will be done. And why? Because we're excited about people coming to Jesus because the last point is the most extravagant gift was God's giving us Jesus. We got Jesus, man. We got, we got salvation. We got forgiveness for our sins. I mean, I know where I came from. I know what I'm saved from. I know... I can predict the trajectory of my life without Jesus and it wouldn't have been pretty because I know where it was going when I met the king and when salvation came 
The old life was gone and a new life was come. And I want to say, man, I look and I say, even today, I say, I cannot imagine where I would be without Jesus. And I fall at his feet and say, thank you for salvation. The motivation in my heart to give is for the glory of God and for people to come to know Jesus that don't yet know him. I want to give to the Lord out of what he's given me. For God loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have life eternal. I'll invite the worship team to come. There's no question that there's lots of things in my life that, you know, I wish I would have done different. Not a lot, but, you know, there's always some. I praise God for the gift of repentance and making things right. And there's people all around us that need Jesus. And I believe we'll be more effective in reaching the lost for the kingdom of God as we, as we invest in the things of the kingdom to invite people to a house and a home that's the Lord's, that's ours. But it starts with tithing and moves to offerings. And once in a while, there's that extravagant generosity. Let's stand and pray. Father, we come into your presence only because of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. You laid your life down for us. You died in our place. You are the extravagant gift of the Father. You took us while we were lost and you saved us. You called us forth from the grave. Man, we worship you for that. Those of us that are here that are saved, Jesus, remind us of our salvation. Remind us that what we've been forgiven of, pride and rebellion and gossip and slander and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, lying and cheating and stealing. And God, we still fall into a lot of those things. But you give us the gift of repentance and we thank you for that. And I pray you speak to us this week as we decide what we're going to give. We want to hear you. We want to say yes. Speak to us if we're not tithing and may we walk in obedience. Give us faith for that. We need faith. We curse fear in Jesus' name. And if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never experienced salvation, forgiveness of sins, Jesus is here today calling you to life. So three things. First, God loves you so much so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place but secondly there's there's sin in your life and it's separating you from God but Jesus is the answer he's the way, the truth, and the life you can come to the Father only through him so thirdly you can choose today to say yes to Jesus if you've never said yes to Jesus I want to challenge you to say yes to him today right now. I just want you to look at me, raise your hand, and as we close, someone's going to pray with you and you're going to meet Jesus. Is there anyone like that here? This is your time to meet Jesus. For the rest of us, as we worship, I encourage you to come, to, to stand at the front. You can kneel if you want. And we're just saying to God, God, I'm recommitting or I'm committing to tithe. God, I'm I'm asking you to speak to me and what you want me to do next week. Speak to me as 
Speak to my family. Speak to my marriage. Tell us what you want us to do, and we're going to say yes. So let's respond as we worship.